That's what it's called, pantophobia. Not fear of pants, though, if that's what you're thinking. It's fear of everything. I am in a state of distress simply because I looked at pictures of holes. Hello, and welcome to Pantophobia. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This episode is my turn to be the one who has to face his fear. I have what is commonly known as trypophobia, or the fear of little holes. Actually, in the Greek, the term translates more directly to fear of bored holes, which I think fairly accurately describes the issue, although fear isn't necessarily the correct term, as we'll learn. Throughout the podcast, we pronounce the term as trypophobia, which more closely matches the Greek roots. Others prefer trypophobia, but whatever you call it, you should know that some mental health professionals don't think it exists. The term was coined by an Irish GeoCities member named Louise in an attempt to name the reaction she had to seeing pictures and objects with uneven clusters of holes. It caught on. And now there are Facebook groups, Instagram chains, and web pages devoted to images that provoke this response, many of them photoshopped. This is Aubrey Henretti. You might think it's a little strange to be scared of clusters of holes. It's just so weirdly specific, like being afraid of chickens in a thunderstorm. <laughs> or uneven hardwood floors. But since you're the kind of person who listens to podcasts about fear, you've probably thought about the issue enough to realize that nobody's fears make any sense. I mean, think about the common fears. Flying? Safer than driving. Needles? That carry life-saving vaccines? Spiders? Well, there are exceptions. But what's amazing is, that feeling in the pit of your stomach, or the back of your neck when your most feared thing is lurking nearby, that rapid departure of blood from your face, that feeling is the same for everybody, no matter what triggers it. So if at any point you are having trouble relating to our Holiverse friends, just remember, you know exactly how they feel. It's how you feel every time someone makes you give a speech in your underwear, on an airplane full of spiders. Most of the time, when the media reports on trypophobia, they show images of cut cantaloupes, lotus seed pods, baby Swiss cheese, and other things that send trypophobics into a state of discomfort. People who don't have this reaction can't imagine that there's an actual problem. UCLA psychiatrist Carol Matthews said as much in an NPR interview, where she said the phenomenon is one of priming, where people learn to react to these images, many of which are disgusting to most people. She correctly points out that the Diagnostics and Statistical Manual, the DSM, the big book that describes mental health issues, doesn't have the term trypophobia in it. But this isn't surprising, as the book isn't a list of phobias, and we already know the origin of this term. But what seems to portray Dr. Matthews' belief that this is a largely internet phenomenon is the fact that many people, myself included, have had this condition, or whatever it is, since before the World Wide Web existed. While I can't share a feeling with you directly, I can illustrate it somewhat with the sound. 
the feeling I get when I look at these images sounds like this. Mark and Aubrey don't have the same reaction I do, so we reached out to someone else for his experience. Yeah, I'm John. I'm actually originally from Michigan, but I've lived in Chicago since 1999, and uh, I do web development, and I uh, write. Excellent. Tell us your origin story, John. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have four siblings, and two of my other siblings suffer from this. You'd have a poster with thumbtacks. Yeah. And you'd put the poster in, and then you're a kid, so it would rip, or yeah. you'd move it. And eventually there was just a little cluster of like six or seven thumbtack holes. Yep. And being extremely grossed out by that. And then as I got older, there were other things, you know, uh, even just like salt melting through ice. Yes. Uh, honeycomb, which I actually don't find honeycomb quite as bad nowadays. I don't know why. Maybe because it's so... Delicious. Regular. Yeah, so regular. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, geometric. My grandfather had a piece of driftwood that just had holes yeah. through it. Mm-hmm. We used to chase each other around with it. Or rather, the people who didn't have it would chase us around with it. And it actually got to the point where I had to be like, I'm serious. Don't. You can't do this to me anymore. Like, you think it's funny, but it's actually kind of serious. I'm glad you said the salt melting through snow because that was my first one. If I were to put a year on when I first noticed this, I would say 74 around then. And my reaction to it was that I had to stomp on it. I yes. had to go yeah. stomp on it. I mean, it's... Destroy it. You yeah. have to destroy it. You have to interact with it. So that it's not a phobia in the sense that you're trying to run away from it. If spiders were your thing you would want to run away from it, I'm guessing. Or throw objects at it. Yeah. But you wouldn't want to get go stomp bleach on it. spray. No, I wouldn't want to get closer to it now. That's this, interesting. This typically triggers the fight response rather than the flight response. This is different in that you feel compelled to keep exploring it. It's hard. to destroy it. I've got to the point right. where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to look. Curiosity. And, I'm, yeah. you know, and then for like a week later, I can't shake the feeling. Yeah. And you keep wanting to look at it, and you're right. You want to destroy it. You want to... Which, this is absolutely insane, because I had this with my siblings. People thought we were crazy. We were out at a bar one time with my, a friend, and he was... So he looked it up, and we're always like, it's not a fear, per se, but and but holes are an easy kind of way to simplify it. It's not necessarily holes. And he looked it up, and he's like, dude, you have trypophobia. Yeah. And we were like, well, what is this? And we couldn't believe that other people had it. I still haven't met anyone else. You're the first person I've met yeah. outside of my family who has this, and you're describing it exactly the same way. The snuffing out is the, yeah, that's the thing. So there's a whole bunch of people on the internet now who like to create these images to try right. to induce this feeling. It's very bad what they're doing because you can't destroy it. One of the senses I have is when, I, when, I'm, tr- when I'm triggered by something like this is that if I can't feel it, that makes it worse. Could you put it in Photoshop and like use the smear? <laughs> no, no, it's a, yeah. it's, it's a very, tactile. It's, it's tactile. It's texture. So one of the common things is the lotus flower, yeah. obviously, right. and you would just want to smush it. And once you've crushed it and it no longer has that shape, then you're fine. Yeah, and you're fine, and you feel satisfied. I sent Doctor Jen some of these images in an attempt to describe the phenomenon. One of them made an impression. She explains in the interview with John. One of the things that he sent to me was this picture that looked as if a thumb had had a hole drilled out the middle of the thumb. And he said, I both hate this and I can't stop looking at it. I've also seen like the human hole stuff that other people are grossed out by that too who aren't sure. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a different thing. I think that like... It goes right along with it, that's for sure. Yeah, that's like violence on people, which is... It's... It's a very important distinction 
that seeing dismembered bodies is disgusting to most people. But this goes beyond disgust. This isn't like seeing uh, roadkill. It makes my I feel my hairs growing. Like I'm like, it's <laughs> just creepy. We're gonna show an image on the giant TV. Remember, at, in, it's a humongous yeah. at any time. Sixty inches. Just anyone who's bothered by this, say stop. We'll turn off the TV, and that'll be that. Oh um, yeah, no, can't. <laughs> that's disgusting. Yeah. No. no. Okay, so your reaction is that's disgusting. I can't stop looking at it. Oh, see so the one below it. I, oh my god, that was awful with the spots on the back. Yeah. Oh, and the one over on the top right is just absolutely horrifying to me. You do want to keep looking at it, but the way it makes me feel is like. Uh, so oh God, yeah, when help. you see that, would you like it if you could touch it and destroy it? Or would do you not that, I would it? destroy it with my foot, though, not my hand. Right. I want to feel it with my fingers. And if they're my fingers, I want to feel it with my tongue. Ah! <laughs> I would not want that. Yeah. Oh! It's, it's a very strange, compelling uh, thing. When I first saw this, I didn't know what it was. It was just an image. And this was in 2007 or so. And what I thought it was was that someone had taken a red-hot soldering iron and stuck it completely through their finger. Yeah, because it's hollow inside. Because it's hollow inside, and if you look closely, it actually looks burnt. And then all the skin around Dead there calloused. is blistered and kind of dry, and there's absolutely no fluid at all. There's no blood. If it was full, would you get the same effect? Like mm. Yeah, I was just going to say, is hollowness I, a problem? I, wouldn't, I would not get the same effect if it was... If that were a blister, it would be it would be yeah, it would be disgusting, but not compelling. It's a compulsion. I get it because it's the there's a kind of a weird body buzzing, weird feeling yeah. that I feel that you're like, oh, this is weird. I get this when I look at this, and it does make you want to keep looking at it. It's more creepy to me than gross. There are some psychologists who think that this entire trypophobia thing is an internet phenomenon. Absolutely not. I mean, my stuff predates the internet. Mine too. Family, same same affliction. It's not like we had a family discussion or that one of us was like, oh, I'm really grossed out by this. It was just kind of, oh, you're grossed out by this too? Yeah. And then you start saying, yeah, what about this? What about that? Lamprey, if you look, it has some of the characteristics. It has irregular pattern of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I but it's, that, almost, it's almost regular. No, that's super regular. It just has a... There's a slight... Two arcs go around. It definitely gets it for me. I think just the, just the coloration isn't necessarily right. I mean, I'll, I'll, honestly, the like the gills or whatever those are... Yeah. Oh, on are the also side, those yeah. The regularity, yeah, there's a balance there. Like I said, mm-hmm. honeycomb isn't quite as gross to me as it was once was because it's more regular. It has to be organic. For example, some people are freaked out by shower heads. I am not. No, that doesn't. Yeah. But that bothers some people. Um, because I know a shower head is metal, that would never bother me. It's, why is snow then the exception? Um, because it's organic. It's well, what it's about like the, the holes oh. in the wall that you guys were talking about, like the thumbtack holes? Yeah, they look very much like the holes in the driftwood. They look, oh. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a restaurant that I can barely go to because they've got someone. It's art project in the back that has like it's wood and there's holes carved in it. This is being used a lot to get people to click on things. You won't believe this one weird trick. What is that kind of an advertising? And what it is, it's a picture of a woman who has kneeled on frozen peas. So, now that is awful. That is completely <laughs> awful. Yeah, I so, think that's pretty gross. I mean, that is one of the hardest things to look the fact at. That there's still some peas the stuck to her. Face the person's face awful. is well, weird so, so and horrible. This should bother me. It has all the characteristics, except that I know what it is. 
And for me, there seems to be some triggering in the not knowing exactly what it is. Interesting. If it's on the edge of what the hell is that, that's really bad. But because I know exactly what that would feel like, I'm okay with it. So people that say this isn't real, and they think it's an internet phenomenon, are they saying that people actually have this, but it's been created by the internet? Yeah. Or that people are sort of exaggerating? You can be trained to be afraid of anything. Like Pavlov's dog, only with negative reinforcement. The bell, and then you get beaten. Right. You know, that kind of thing. And that's this priming mechanism that this one prominent psychologist thinks is what's going on. And I suspect she thinks that because she can't experience it. Yeah, that, this is... A, so we're looking at an image of a, of a woman and it looks like she's wearing a school uniform, doesn't really matter, but what, what someone has done is they've taken a lotus seed pod and overlaid it on her knees and her elbows. And what it looks like is that she has a whole bunch of bot flies emerging from her skin. Yeah, I see, I see, you know, those are like an inch deep. And it is like, the, there are a bunch of little holes in skin, and then there's little things inside of it. And it's I, I see flaws. exactly what you're seeing. I just don't have the same that, reaction. That doesn't, it doesn't react, like, gross it's, to you? Well, it's definitely gross, because well, it's gross, in a yeah, person. Yeah, I say, gross is such a wrong word. It's, it's in a person. Doesn't if make your skin crawl. No, it's just gross. I mean, if that pattern was yeah. in a wall, I'd be like, ugh, that's something i got to fix now. I've discussed with my siblings before the concept of how awful it would be to be sort of locked in a room with just these images. And that my brother was at one time was like, I would, I would no question he would kill himself. Wow. If you had to be locked into that a room for not like an hour, but infinitely or for a long time. You're afflicted in a similar way, mm-hmm. but you're way more curious. It takes over every part have, of my I mean, you personality. have a cut on your mouth, you play with it, even though it hurts. Right. Like, that's not a pleasant thing to be doing, but you still you play with it. Well, there's, there, are, there are disorders. There's, uh, you know, there's trichotillomania. It somehow releases tension. It's like a tick. Yeah. It's, it's like, I need to... A tick, yeah. I need to pull this. I need... It's a compulsion. It's a tick. And sometimes chewing on the hair afterwards is also part of it. Chewing on ice is one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wait, ice chewing is a is a ice thing chewing like that? Is, that's also in the DSM actually. I when I was a little kid, yeah. I would chew, I would get like a glass full of ice and just chew it all day. It's yeah. also a sign of anemia. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And um, it's bad for your teeth, so don't do that. Do I have teeth of steel. Other people mm-hmm. who yeah. don't the non trypophobes when you feel creeped out by something, do you do you feel bodily? Do you feel like yes, like buzzy or tingly or like? If I have an anxiety issue, yeah. Because that's what this feels like to me, where like I start to get like tingly and I don't. Yeah, I, I've had that. I feel experience. it bodily. And that's a common thing. If a lot of people describe feeling it in their hair, which is really a, weird. They look at one of these images and they feel it in their yeah, hair. Yeah, feels like I just took like three Nyquils or something. Yeah. Which is like, interesting because that's also like that yeah. that weird soft sensation seeking movement that's going on. We're going to start straight away. I know how much you like to be analyzed. So today we're going to do a little test with you. And at the end, I'm going to interpret your results. So I want you to really play along. That was YouTube phenomenon Olivia Kisper demonstrating ASMR the Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, in which people feel relaxing tingling in their scalp and at the back of their neck when they hear someone whispering to them, usually through headphones. I that as well. I 100% have that. The sibilance. Uh, oh, do you respond do you, to that? Do you like Absolutely. it or do you hate it? I love it. it. I love it. And he oh, hates it. Hate oh, it. no, that's interesting, because I think I also have that. I was reading about that recently, and I... 
To me, it's totally dependent on what the situation is. Oh, somebody on the phone, like, who's a really nice person, I'm like, uh, if you're like call a cable company and it's just like someone with a very pleasant voice, I'll like I'll feel that bodily as well and I'll just just listen. Huh. I feel I experience it as positive sometimes and negative other times. It's hard to explain. It's a broad enough category that it's like touch. Like, oh is touch good or bad? Yeah, well it just depends. <laughs> like it just depends on what it is. This thing crosses over my senses. Like mm-hmm. it's not just one sense. Yeah, you know, it's not just like I don't look in horror, I feel it. Yeah. And that's to me where it's different than a lot of fears. That's when it's like, well, it's fear holes. I'm like, it's not, I'm not afraid of them. Right. I mean, maybe fearful of how I'm going to feel for the next two weeks or something. It's definitely more of being creeped out. Mm -hmm. How about this? This one doesn't bother me because I know what it is and I felt it. Is it a sponge? It's a, it's a coral. It's oh, hard. Girl, right. It yeah. looks soft like skin, but it's actually hard. You know, I've handled some things, maybe getting over it, but also I don't want to get over it. Would you Would you trade it for a different fear? I'd rather get over my fear of flying than this. Mm. How about this? That to, that's <clears throat> fine. So this triggers some people. In fact, I, I had this for lunch. It's Orzo. I went out last night and bought this because I like the texture. I love Orzo. But then I found this, or a very similar image, on trypophobia sites. Huh. It's interesting. I mean, if it's a lot of food stuff, I'll get over it because I love food so much. So, like, octopus tentacles are gross to me because of the holes. Yeah. But I'll eat it, all the it octopus really in the world. Good. And my, I have a brother or a sister have talked, you know, look, that's gross before. I'm like, you know, I just flip it over and look at the holes. I think that the psychologist who thinks this is just a, a, an internet priming phenomenon might be onto something to some extent because there is a social pressure to be triggered by these images, especially mm. if a friend photoshops it and says, hey, what about this one? Right. Oh, that's terrible. So I think that there's probably some of that going on, but that does not explain at all the entire realm of emotion that I feel towards some of these things. And images I, on, a, on a flat screen have much less impact than an actual physical object. Can I ask you a question about that restaurant you named that you can't go into? When the, what happened the first time you went in there? Did you go in there with friends? And yeah, well, you know, I was just sitting at the bar, and then I glanced back, and I was like, oh, God, okay, well, I'm not, I can't look that way. So I just turned and looked the other way. Or oh, at did the you restaurant? Just, no, yeah. You guys were saying lotus flowers, but you mean lotus pods. Pods, yes. Yeah, not the, not the flower. Yes, the pod. This is the original image that uh, triggered a lot of people. Now, that one's bad. That one's a bad one. And if, just in case you haven't oh, yeah, seen that's, this. Yeah. Now, now, so this, those, those are the worst. It this is the image here, pods. This is the image that actually created the phenomenon on the internet. Somebody made this image. What it looks like is a woman's breast infested with maggots. What it actually is is a Photoshop job of a lotus pod superimposed on uh, the breast of a woman who happens to have a very large areola area, which kind of looks like it's a rash or something. Yeah, you know what? You know what the worst part of it is is when I stare at this one, when I notice the empty ones, that's 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 pretty triggering. That's um, yeah, I can't. I wouldn't even look at yeah, it. Something that's something crawl out of there. And this is the image that most people have discovered on the internet this is like you kind of reacted grossly to it's this one this one is gross yes it's not someone's body it's not someone's body there's there's it's something else there yeah well because i think like i know that's fake so i can look at that and be like oh i can see where they photoshopped it and it's not that so so what i did this afternoon and i will not do with you guys today is i decided that in order to test how different this is from just general grossness i looked at pictures of advanced breast cancer which are horrific they're horrific. 
And while I find them disgusting, they do not trigger the same kind of thing that this does. The gross things are less visceral, and when I turn off the image, the feelings dissipate very quickly. The images, the, the feelings from these images can last a very long time, like hours and days. Like, it's like a shock. If I've looked at them, which I, again, I try not to, yeah, I feel funny. compelled to, like, the next day or later that night, go look at them again. Yes! And I'm like, ah, oh, it's an itch I can't scratch, you know, or I'm like at the cab on the way home, and I pull out the images again. And, uh, and I've learned to just not do it now. Right. It's like, don't... And that, that's, I have learned that, right, that's the problem. Don't give in to the compulsion. Just let it go. Like, I am able to buffer the image right. in my head and just recognize what it is and hold it there and then let it go. I don't fully explore it in my mind, if that makes any sense. I don't imagine what's in the depths or try to understand the picture No, better. you don't try to fight it. You just... I just, here it comes and there it goes. Yeah, that's, that's like an anxiety coping tool also. It is. Just with your whatever your thoughts are. You recognize that the yeah, feeling is there. Yeah, you just go, there it is. And, and there then it goes. Just it's like when you realize it. your parents have sex. <laughs> no, they don't. You, know? <laughs> you just have to let it go away. <laughs> maybe your parents <laughs> Supposedly, one of the cures for the feelings that trypophobia engenders is this. Looking at cute puppies helps them get over their their feeling go, of trypophobia. One of the teacup? Go to Australian Shepherd puppies. Maybe I'm just unconsciously, subconsciously trying to cure myself by looking at pictures of puppies. From now on, when I see gross images, I'm just going to look at pictures of puppies right now. There you go. I'm just constantly keep a puppy tab over yeah. there. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, it, it's such a lingering thing. Mm -hmm. And lingers right afterward, and it can linger for days. You, know, you said but, it can yeah. linger for two weeks. Yeah. Ooh. John, I really appreciate you doing this and oh, sure. uh, making yourself uncomfortable for us. Well, it's honestly, it's really cool for me. And it was just a lot of people that sort of doubt it. And some people that believe it. And then it's kind of a game. Does this gross you right. out? Does this gross you out? Which I get. I mean, it's curious. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's something that... But it's it's interesting. It's cool to meet somebody else who has this and clearly has the same... Like, very similar. I mean, it manifests itself in different, different ways. So it's, it's cool to have it taken seriously. After this interview, I was surprised how much looking at the images affected me. After I got back home, I couldn't sleep, so I recorded this bit into my handheld recorder. Uh, last night we recorded the interview with John and showed all the images, and I have to say I'm having a hard time with it. Um, Every time I stop concentrating on something, these images come back. And it's not that I can see them, it's that I can feel them. Um, on the way home, I, uh, I stopped at the store and, and bought all these comfort foods that tend to help with these issues. Things like sesame candies and um, things you'd think would actually create more problems than would solve. but. I find that being able to kind of confront these holes actually helps. Although at this point I've eaten the entire bag of sesame candies and I, I can't say that it's helped any. But um, I am in a state of distress simply because I looked at pictures of holes. And uh, it's, it's not... Comfortable. It's not a thing that I uh, have complete control over, 
and uh, it's it's very hard to understand how simply looking at pictures of holes could have such a profound effect on me. So, um, I think I uh, might take a pill and, and try to get some sleep. So, given these experiences, we decided to contact a psychologist for some unofficial insight into what's going on here. As it turns out, we found the perfect one, because she suffers from this effect too. You'll remember Jenna from our other episodes. She's an MHP. 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 Yeah, mental health person. Mental health? Seriously? Yes. Yeah. Person? You're a person. Or pra- oh, practitioner. Okay. We can say mental health practitioner. Okay. Person should not be in an acronym. Yeah. Um, and Aubrey and Mark. Jenna also has trypophobia. So have you ever encountered the term trypophobia? Is that ever anything clinical about that? No, nothing in my professional training. And honestly, I haven't had any clients or referrals that were sent to me specifically to deal mm. with trypophobia. That's not your normal area No, practice, I don't but... specialize in specific phobias. And I would say most of the time when somebody has a problem like trypophobia or agoraphobia, they usually will seek out a practitioner who specializes in that sort of thing. But you do see people who have phobias. Oh, absolutely, and, sure. Yeah, and this, well, this one just hasn't come up. Yeah, it hasn't. Although I will say I have had clients where privately we've had some good rapport building moments mm. where we're both like, hey, holes are gross, right? Right, oh, awesome. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's how it's sort of come up. And we all sort of have a similar background story or experience. So it, it's out there. But yeah, nothing in an official capacity in terms of training or education. My experience with trypophobia is that body horror or gore or a medical condition, any of that is kind of fine to me because it's, it's natural. It's like something that can happen, whether it's unfortunate or kind of gross or whatever. But when I see something that kind of triggers my trypophobia, I think the unnatural, there's an unnatural aspect to it. And that's what seems aversive to me. Like I find the thought of holes where they perhaps shouldn't be disgusting. So are they the same to you? Like a picture of like the lotus seed boob and like just any other picture of holes, like equally bad? No, I mean, I think some things are are certainly worse than others. But I would say, yeah, things on the human body. Because normally when you have holes on the human body, it, they ought Bags. not to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's a sign something's probably gone wrong with your day at minimum, <laughs> right? Um, but there's certain things that other people have said trigger their trypophobia, and I might feel something pretty mild or... The opposite of my reaction. I only get horrified when it's typically in the human body, whereas if I see a crumpet or something, for example... Oh, actually. Or a, or a sponge. I have no real reaction to that. Is that a thing? Because I bought crumpets and could not eat them. I made my husband get rid of them. Like, they were so upsetting to me, and I tried putting peanut butter over them so the holes were filled out, and that was grosser somehow. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I'm sorry. I know <laughs> that's so, not what we're here so, to talk about, but, whew, okay. One of the things we're discovering is that people who have this instantly recognize others because there's these certain things, and people who don't have it, it all kind of sounds the same. Like the difference between a shower head and a crumpet. It's like, well, they both have little holes. What's the difference? 
It's a world of difference. Uh, yeah, well, to me, and I mean, and I don't know if this is true, but I guess the way I kind of conceptualize it is a shower head, it's supposed to look like that. Yes. That's like, that's how the water comes out. There's not another way. <laughs> and when I see something with holes, I, I have that, ooh, surely there must be another way, nature. <laughs> so a crumpet isn't a crumpet, it's just a defective biscuit that's of right. some sort? Yes. Yeah, just suboptimal English muffins. Yeah, yeah. That's what they My attitude is like, yeah, let's put butter on that. I'll put that in my body. That's fine. A phobia, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, is a, it's a fear that is causing some debilitation in your life. It's preventing you from doing something, functioning somehow. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Honestly, and it's not just unique to phobias. To me, one of the big things that tips something over into you know, a clinical concern is its disruption of functioning. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and it can be in any sphere of your life. So if you have interpersonal issues or you, you know, avoid going to like the ocean because you don't want to drown or you don't want me to own a tarantula despite oh. how happy it would make me. Um, so selfish. <laughs> yeah, get over that real quick, would you? If, if it's distressing to you or you don't care for how it disrupts your functioning, then that's usually enough to work with. I mean, there are some people who certainly have you know, things that disturb them mm -hmm. that maybe wouldn't necessarily meet the DSM criteria, but we'd still probably call it a phobia. There's this idea that there's this big book of phobias that you go to the shrink and the, he or she pulls out this giant book yeah. and goes down the list, oh, you're afraid of pigeons when it's raining on Sundays. That's pigeon Sunday rainophobia. And <laughs> as though that word is somehow important and diagnostic when really you guys don't care so much about that. Honestly, n no. There are times when diagnosis is important, right? Because you do want to have a collective way to speak about things, and you do want to be able to recognize a group of symptoms. And it's important to understand that for treatment, right? And to communicate with other practitioners. Right, yeah, yeah, to communicate with other practitioners, to help the person suffering from those things get a narrative or sort of idea of what they have. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, it's just kind of what you make of it. Like, the diagnosis should be useful. But yeah, I mean, if we're talking about phobias, just diagnostically, I would look for somebody who has that fear response to something real or imagined. Or, depending on what the situation is, that anticipatory anxiety piece. I can show you a picture of a lotus seed breast, and I can, I can watch your affect change, I can watch you sweat maybe, I can watch you hold your stomach, so I can see signs that you're having an adverse response. but. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to have to rely on you to fill in those gaps. Yeah, I can't just like hook you up to something. It's like an optometrist with like a thousand pictures of lotus seed breasts. Better or worse? Yeah, <laughs> 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 like a hundred flashcards. Is it possible that all of us who have trypophobia have some event in our lives that switched us towards this? That's one of the theories out there. I, mean, I can't, I couldn't tell you what mine was. But... Yeah, no, the theories I've heard is the biological piece, mm -hmm. either something heritable or evolutionary, and that early experience in childhood or adolescence, something formative like that you had an aversive. Like holes, like killed your family. Yeah, right. Yeah, you sort of had a weird feeling about them ever since. Yeah. <laughs> Someone someone tried to smother me with a sponge. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine what that would be for me, but it doesn't matter. I mean, something. I can see how somebody with a bad burn or, you know, yeah. the way burns heal isn't always symmetrical. Or, right. You know. With Jenna's explanation at hand, we asked her more about her experience with trypophobia. Do you feel it in your hair? Sometimes I feel that the roots of my hair feel tingly. Oh, I get that as a, just a generalized anxiety response. Like before I had to get mm -hmm. into the water, I'll feel that. Before I did any sort of public speaking, I'll feel that. 
So is that a normal anxiety? That is a very normal anxiety response. Is it an adrenaline causes some... Yeah, I think normally when you have that anticipatory dread, I mean, it's sort of... I mean, it can be anything from, you know, some mild hair tingling to a full-on panic response, right? You could go into, like, fight-or-flight mode, which I guess would be the most extreme. But all of it falls on a spectrum, and it's probably just subjective to that individual based on their experience or how they learn to cope. I do think of trypophobia as having a very strong, like, physical kind of component. And that's why the disgust thing mm -hmm. makes sense to me because it does seem to have more of those physical attributes. I would say though that the anxiety disorders by and large are characterized by more physical signs than some other mental disorders. Interesting. Right, I mean, because they're things that correlate with like a heightened autonomic nervous system. So your heart rate's up, your respiratory rate's up. So you obviously have a physical reaction to that. And conversely, when you come down from it, you have the opposite, hopefully. Now, I, this is something I have, so I see it as different than other anxieties. I have had fear of public speaking, which I have completely gotten over, and I understand the anxiety mm -hmm. around that. That's anticipatory. Right. There's something special about trypophobia that has this compulsion element that normal anxieties, if there is such a thing, don't have, and I, I don't understand that. Right. I know, yeah, with most anxieties, you want to avoid... Mm -hmm. whatever the stimulus is. And no, I agree with trypophobia. I often find myself compelled to seek those images out or the way I ruminate on them isn't an anticipatory anxiety, but it's just sort of there percolating in the back of my mind. And yeah, there isn't a lot of research about what that's about. But to me, I don't know if this is true for you. I sort of experience it as sort of a disgust or aversion. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually very interested in like medical procedures or what you guys were talking about earlier, like, hey, this person's arm is cut off. Like, I'd be interested in that. But I feel there's sort of this thin line between my interest in that and my aversion to mm. things with holes, at least for me. Mm -hmm. But I agree, there's something different. I don't think it's a phobia in, in any traditional sense. Well, yeah. It could turn into one, maybe. Sure. The things that I've read that kind of ring true with me are that some people have biological imperatives to be disgusted by certain things. Sure. And I can see why holes would be something very unnatural. You might have an aversive reaction to that way. Is the anticipation of disgust similar to if you're driving down the highway and there's an accident up ahead? How, you know, most people will slow down yes. and stare at it and not, not because they like it or they enjoy it, but will still be fixated on that image. Yeah, it's a, it's a morbid fascination. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna think about these images all day until I just look yeah. at one. This is sort of the inverse of what we're always saying about curiosity and fear. Because what you guys are saying is, rather than curiosity helping you get over a fear, you're, you're sort of feeding your fear with curiosity. Yeah, it does seem to be that. I guess, it's almost like we were talking about earlier, there's a term counterphobia. When I feel fear or dread or you know something disgust, my inclination is to just run to it and process that because mm. I, I don't like to be afraid. To me, it would be worse to think about what holes might look like all day than to just look at one. Not to say I like to do it, I just <laughs> sometimes feel compelled to. It's just the better of two poor choices. Right. Totally different subject. Mm. Um, anxiety has a refraction period. Afterwards, yeah. it, it goes, you know, takes sure. a while to get over it. Trypophobia seems to last a long time, at least for me, like a week. Yes. Um, so would you have any advice on how one can overcome those intrusive, lingering thoughts? What do you do now? Uh, I overeat. Oh, how's that going? It works fine. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that's my coping mechanism. Uh, hey. It has consequences, but they're lesser than dealing with it. This is what I think about anxiety in general. You know, one, educate yourself or work with somebody who can educate you about what things are. So when you do have a response or an action, you're not wondering like, why am I doing this, right? You're not feeding your fear. And the second step is usually stress inoculation. So something that can calm you down just enough to where you can think clearly. And that's the threshold. Like, I don't think people are going to pass it seed pod and be like, <gasps> but you know, most people have the ability to kind of return to, you know, they can function. Okay. Um, and if you can do that, if you can kind of help soothe yourself when you get worked up, normally the thing we tell people to work on is just cognitive therapy. So like a lot of reality testing, like, you know, am I unsafe right now? Like, do I see anything around me that is going to immediately harm me or somebody I care about? Or asking yourself questions that are, I guess, rooted more in the truth of what's happening. Like, am I having an aversive reaction because I don't like this? And that's helpful to know. And if I think, you know, I'm sweating profusely, that's true. And maybe you can note it, but it's maybe not helpful to dwell on it. So if you can kind of start filtering mm -hmm. those things in your brain, then you can kind of start building that narrative for yourself where you just practice getting in the habit of being like, you know what, I got this, like, all right, me, I'm gonna calm down. One of the things that's worked for me is I realize that it's, it, it has the same level of importance as a stubbed toe. Right. It's uncomfortable, I wish it didn't happen, but it means nothing, there's oh, no yeah. meaning. Well, and that type of reality testing is incredibly useful, I think, for a lot of people. The trick is just be honest with yourself, right? Because you can't control anything but you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what people can control is the irrational part of it, right? You don't want to condition yourself to not have a normal fear response to something right. that should actually provoke fear or anxiety. That's healthy to some extent. Good sense. Yeah, there's, there's some evolutionary <laughs> precedent for that. <laughs> You know, if you find yourself having these irrational thoughts or it disrupts your functioning, then you can kind of build up that cognitive repertoire. And I think most people can kind of do those things on their own to whatever extent they want to or whatever works for them. And then if you can kind of do that or, you know, psych yourself up, then you can start to expose yourself and see if you can kind of overcome it. Mm -hmm. To me, the thing that strikes me about trypophobia is I don't really see a value in learning to love the holes. Yeah, me either. But like with drowning, I understand like you might miss out on wonderful life opportunities if you don't want to get in the ocean. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what, like maybe I won't be a florist or something if right. I won't work with seed pods. We need to do an experiment. Hey. I need to load up on Ativan and watch these images and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And so I did. I took the maximum dosage prescribed to me for Ativan, or as it's also known, lorazepam let it sit for about 20-25 minutes, and then subjected myself to many images that would normally have made me very uncomfortable. Here's what happened. I am pretty sure the drugs have taken some effect, getting kind of sleepy, which tends to be what happens. So, let's go to Google, and of course type the dreaded word trypophobia. Oh my god, yeah, alright. And let's see what the response is. So when you when you Google search trypophobia, it brings up the most popular images for image search. So of course there are the worst. Most of them aren't real. Some of them are real. Uh, there's a picture here of a dog with uh, 
dozens of ticks in its ear, for example. It, it doesn't particularly set me off, but uh, it's definitely real. Some of them are makeup, some of them are overlays of lotus seed pods, or coral, or sponges, something like that, usually on human skin. Um, they're certainly not pleasant, but uh, I have to say, nothing is really getting under my skin, so to speak. There's the lady kneeling on the peas again. Uh, and there's wasps crawling out of somebody's skin, that's nice. Mice living in someone's teeth, as though their teeth were made out of cheese. I have to say, I'm looking at these images, and as you can just hear, I was describing them to you, and I'm not getting the reaction that I'm used to getting from them. I feel it a little bit, but it is not the overwhelming thing that I would normally have. So this is the image that I've had the hardest time looking at. It's the fingers with the teeth, which I see as something totally different. And uh, I'm looking at it, and I'm really not having much of a reaction to it. I can recognize that it's the same image, but... No, nope, it's just really not bothering me very much. Hmm. I certainly wouldn't want to spend my whole life in this state, because I'm feeling rather mellow and a little bit slow. But I have to say, there is an effect. It is a very, very mild effect. We'll have to see if uh, tomorrow if these images are really bothering me. Because right now, eh, big deal. I can move on and do whatever I'd like. The next day, after I was sure the drugs had left my system, I looked at the same images again. And yes, this happened. Jenna predicted this would be the case in our interview. Well, and honestly, that's why a lot of people who have anxiety problems that are avoidant, they, they use substances. It's, it's a great avoiding mechanism. That's I, what I did to actually get out and socialize and stuff. I mean, not to oh, the yeah. point of, like, abuse, but... Oh, no. I mean, it's very right. common. Well, and I think, it, like anything else, it can be adaptive in a situation or in the short term. It just, you know, shouldn't be your go-to, probably. There are many tools in the toolbox. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Thanks to John for allowing us to put him through that ordeal, and to Jenna for sharing her story as well. Your hosts were Aubrey Henretti, Mark Gronke, and myself, Jeff Wagg. This has been a production of the College of Curiosity. You can find us on Facebook and at collegeofcuriosity.com. Hey there, Jeff again. I'd just like to let you know that we have a trip for the curious planned for the first weekend of August 2016. We'll be taking over a dark sky site high in the Colorado Rockies for some exploration and astronomy. During the day, we'll visit some local sites such as Wolf Mountain, where we may have a close encounter with actual wolves, and Bishop's Castle, one man's hand-built fortress in the sky. Then we'll gather for a meal and talk about how ancient Americans viewed the stars and get some instructions for how to use the array of telescopes we'll have set up. If the weather cooperates, and it's likely to, we should be able to see things such as Pluto, nebulae, and galaxies, and the amazing glow of our galactic disk, known as the Milky Way. Space is unlimited, but we only have room for so many. Full details are available at collegeofcuriosity.com. We hope you can join us.